Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. Well, as we begin a new season, the season of Epiphany, as the new year still feels young and perhaps new, I'm excited to begin a new sermon series with you called Fresh Start. Before we do that, I'd like to say a couple of uh, other words really quickly. One, um, because I got several many questions about a little person who was with Rebecca, my wife, earlier today. No, we do not have another little person that we are welcoming into our family at this time, though um, as foster and adoptive parents from time to time, we do what's called respite care, where uh, a family may go out of town and need a a certified person to watch their little person. And so we are doing so for some uh, neighborhood friends that are enjoying some time away. Yes, they needed that time away. And um, we're happy to have a little person in our life, though it's amazing what you remember about how it is to have a little person in your life and how your little people have gotten a lot bigger and wow, uh, but glad that, that she could be here today uh, today with us. Also want to say a word of thanks to those who are leading um, our music and our songs this morning. Thank you for doing so. Uh, Chris uh, Weiss uh, got sick a little bit earlier this week, is feeling much better now, but his voice has not fully recovered. And so I'm grateful that we are uh, a part of such a talented and amazing community of faith and we have some incredible singers. So Jeremy, Morgan, Thank you uh, for helping lead us in our music and our song this morning. Well, as we um, enter into this sermon series, uh, perhaps, perhaps you know this, perhaps you've experienced this, you can't start over. You can't start over. But I want to suggest this morning, I want to celebrate this morning that we can start fresh. We can't start over as if the past hasn't happened, as if we're not still carrying things with us from what has gone before, but we can start fresh, freed from the past to determine our future, freed to experience God's love and grace in new and transforming ways. We can't start over, but we can start fresh. You know, one of the dangers of turning the calendar to a new year is thinking that the old year is gone, that it's completely in the past and has no bearing or influence, and we can just pick some resolutions and just pick some goals, and everything's going to be better this year. Maybe. Perhaps. I want to suggest this morning that the more truthful and honest way to approach these opportunities, perhaps to build resolutions and goals, perhaps just to meet the day, is by acknowledging that what has gone before is still carried with us in some important, important ways that we need to acknowledge and admit and honor. And yet that doesn't stop God from offering us the invitation to start fresh, to try something new, to grow, to learn, to be made new. And so it seems right and fitting that we begin in a significant way, 2023, by turning to a moment of beginning in Jesus' life, the beginning of his public ministry, which begins in the waters of baptism. Indeed, in Mark's gospel, there's no infancy narrative. It just begins with Jesus in the water. In Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, before Jesus is tempted, before he begins his public ministry leading to his death and resurrection, he goes into the waters of 
of baptism. So let's listen in and learn and see what that story is all about. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 13 through 17. And I pray through this story that if you've been baptized and you can recall it and remember it, that this might help you remember and reflect on your baptism. And if you have trouble remembering your baptism, this story may be a way for you to imaginatively re-enter those waters. And if you've never been baptized before, well, I pray this is a meaningful conversation and discussion and sermon for you as you reflect on what baptism means and whether or maybe or perhaps it might be time for you to make that step. Let's read together the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3 reading verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for it is proper for us, for us. It is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever disagreed with your great-grandma before? I learned you do so with fear and trembling. My great-grandmother, God bless her soul, may she rest in sweet and heavenly peace, Blanche Kilmer, would call every single year that I was a teenager and say, has Michael gotten baptized yet? Why not? I remember, and my mom explained to me that she was so nervous, concerned, worried. She was a worrier, self-admitted worrier, but she was worried. What if he's learning to drive, isn't he? What if he gets in a car accident and dies? Grandma, come on. But what if he does? What? I'm worried about the state of his soul. Well, I was by no means a professional theologian in my teenage years, but I thankfully had paid attention in church enough to feel convicted that whether or not I was baptized at 12, 13, 14, 15 did not have an effect on whether or not God loved me and I had the kind of relationship I needed to have with God. I disagreed with my grandma. I didn't think that baptism was a magical formula that got me saved. And now, many years later, I love my grandmother, I love the memory of my great-grandmother, and yet I remain convinced that that is true. That baptism is not a magical formula that gets somebody saved. That if you've not been baptized, you better watch out. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And yet, there was something about baptism that I didn't quite understand or expect, that I think my great-grandmother understood and expected about what would happen when I did finally choose to enter the waters of baptism. 
I believe this morning that the life of faith is not one where we have everything all figured out, that what we choose to do when we enter into a relationship with God, what we choose to do when we promise to be faithful in the way of Jesus is we promise to go on a journey of discovery and learning in which we may come to an understanding much later in life that we never anticipated or realized when we first set out on this journey. And that is okay. And that is beautiful. And baptism is no different than any other part of the Christian life. There may be something we discover and learn about our baptism that we never anticipated in choosing to make that decision. Or there may be something about the ways that we were baptized, perhaps as an infant, that we didn't understand the meaningfulness of that until much later in life. And I'm grateful, Pastor Holly, for you bringing up the many different ways that people can be baptized. And I want to stop and make a point here that I am grateful for the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, which respects and honors the many different baptismal traditions that Christians practice. We do not require that someone be rebaptized when they come to be a part of South Elkhorn Christian Church if they have been baptized elsewhere. We do not require someone who was baptized as an infant to get baptized as a believer because that's the only way to do it. We don't, we don't do that. We believe it took the first time. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm also grateful that we so respect and honor the different baptismal traditions that when we needed to during the season of COVID that we had just a few years ago, and someone came and said, Michael, I'd love, family came, the Burton family came and said, we'd love to be baptized, but we're not sure it's best in a baptistry. And I realized that what it means to respect and honor other baptismal traditions is perhaps you got to lean on them sometimes when it's the right and safe thing to do. And so I'm grateful that just a few years ago, we were able to baptize and welcome into the church family, the Burtons, by pouring water over them, as some traditions might do. They didn't get fully immersed. They were just, you know, partially soaked. And that's okay. And that's beautiful. And in that moment, it was especially meaningful. I want to invite some of you to remember and recall your baptism, if you can remember it. And if you can't, I want to invite you to remember or recall a baptism that maybe was similar to yours or that you've experienced recently. And if you haven't been baptized, I want to invite you to reflect and, to reflect and remember Jesus' baptism that we just read about in Matthew's gospel. What does baptism mean to you? What was it like for you to experience or witness baptism? What does it mean to you now that's different from what it might have meant to you when you experienced or witnessed it before? I'm grateful that we get to begin the year thinking about what it means to have a fresh start by beginning in one of these core and kind of beginning Christian practices of baptism, which are meant to inaugurate the Christian life in a powerful and transformative way. We do so by turning to the story of Jesus who entered into the waters of baptism not because it changed his relationship to God, but because it revealed in a powerful and impactful way his relationship to God, who he was and what the next years of ministry, indeed even death and resurrection, would mean. So I don't want to suggest, I don't mean to suggest that we do baptism because Jesus did it, though isn't that a powerful thing to enter into the waters of baptism just as Jesus did? I don't mean to suggest that because I don't want you to think that when you come out of the waters of baptism, if you 
did already or haven't yet done so and are thinking you might, that you should hear a voice from heaven. You may not hear a voice from heaven the same way that we read about in the story with Jesus. And yet, you may experience something almost like a voice from heaven. And yet, you may experience the words that are spoken from heaven as if they are words for you. Beloved, child. What does baptism mean? It means you are learning and embracing and trusting fully with everything you are in this moment, a love which precedes you, holds you, sustains you, and opens up your future in fresh and beautiful ways. That you are beloved. I believe God ordained the belovedness of Christ from before time. And there was nothing magical about the waters of baptism that all of a sudden made this Son of God the Son of God. And yet also Jesus didn't just skip the waters of baptism, did he? Curious. This is vexed, vexed theologians and Bible commentators for ever, it seems. Why did Jesus have to get into the waters of baptism? If one of the things that baptism does is cleanse us of our sin, how could the sinless Son of God need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness? There aren't any, I think, all compelling answers other than perhaps that God's love works in mysterious and beautiful ways. And that there's something about Jesus entering into the waters of baptism that would inspire and help teach and guide generations of followers to enter into those waters too. Indeed, Jesus says something peculiar. I emphasized it when I read, this is for us, not for me, for us. Something about Jesus entering into the waters of baptism is for us. For John and Jesus and perhaps each and every one of us listening in, to fulfill the dream of God. So what does baptism mean? It means, yes, that we are beloved children of God, that we are loved by God. And perhaps that's one of the reasons that it was difficult for me to agree to get baptized when I was a teenager. Well, there was a number of reasons. One, my grandma kept calling and pestering me, and there's something about being about a teenager that you're like, I'm not doing it then. I'm my own person. I'll do it when I want to do it. But I think more than that, there was also this sense of what does baptism mean? And also, am I good enough for it? Am I prepared enough for it? Do I understand it enough? Have I got it figured out enough that I can feel right and good and appropriate doing so? I was reluctant to get baptized because I wasn't convinced that I understood it enough. I wasn't convinced that I was good enough. So I want to stand here before you this morning to let you know that the waters of baptism are not about whether or not you're good enough. They're about whether or not God loves you. And I'm here to tell you that God loves you. That God includes you. That God has prepared a place for you and God wants you to experience what that love means in a powerful and life-transforming way. What my great-grandmother knew 
that I didn't when she was convinced and pestering me to get into the waters of baptism was, would, was that there would be something about that experience that would impact me so deeply that I would realize that once baptized, you can't get unbaptized. It's a part of who you are. It will shape you forever. So I remember inviting my friends, inviting my, my friends and my church family and my family to come that day when I, um, I was going to be baptized. Now, I grew up in the church of the Nazarene, a small church, about 20 or 30 people in a church, in a school cafeteria, elementary school cafeteria in Crestwood, Kentucky. So there was no baptistry. So what the pastor did after meeting with me for a few sessions to talk more about baptism when I finally made that decision at 16 years old was have to make an arrangement with a local church to use their baptistry. And while my wife can tell you there are many things that I wish I remembered better and more clearly, like where I put my keys, thank you Apple AirTags, I vividly remember some key moments in my life when it felt like my life was changing in a beautiful and terrifying and amazing way. When I got married, when little people came into our lives, when I graduated, and when I was baptized. I remember because I grew up in a tradition that was very anti-ritual and baptism was one more ritual that, you know, it was good that you do, but like, don't think, you know, it's just a ritual, just a ritual. And so, you know, it's just a ritual. It's no big deal. Yeah, the people are coming to watch me get dunked and yeah, it'll be. I did not realize just how much it would impact me. How shaky I was and nervous I was. How when I came out of the water, I didn't hear a voice from heaven, but everyone saw me just weeping. It impacted me so deeply in a way that I couldn't fully anticipate or expect. Which is nothing but the grace of God giving us a glimpse of what the Christian life is all about. That what it means to follow in the way of Christ is that we don't have it all figured out. And we won't be able to fully anticipate how it's all going to go. But there is a mysterious and beautiful gift that awaits us around each corner. What else does baptism mean? Well, it means that you're connected to others. It means that you aren't doing this faith life thing on your own, that you're connected to Christ and that you're connected to the others who have entered these waters of baptism before, others who are there to support you. It's the, one of the reasons why baptism is a public act, why baptism includes other people, why you're baptized by someone else. It's a communal act because we don't do this faith thing on our own. We do it in relationship with God, with Christ, with the community of believers and others who are there to support us and challenge us and encourage us and grow with us. What else does, does baptism mean? Well, I love sharing with, um, I love sharing with uh, students and with adults who are going through the baptismal process that one of the beautiful things about baptism, especially the way we've practiced baptism with immersion, is that we get to put on the story of Christ. We get to wear the story of Christ. We are, as St. Paul says, buried with Christ in the waters, and we are risen again. We get to experience the foretaste of resurrection in our coming up out of the waters, the very resurrection of Christ, the love and the affirmation of God in Christ is, becomes our own as we emerge from the waters. And yes, 
The waters are also meant to cleanse us, to remind us that the mistakes, the failures, the distrust, the disconnection, the brokenness, the hurt, the harm that has plagued us before need not have the final word, need not determine our lives moving forward. That we are freed from all of that, not because it doesn't exist, but because it doesn't have the power to shape us forever. That there is another power at work in us. Part of the beautiful symbolism of baptism is that we receive the power of the Holy Spirit to, light up, to lead us and guide us, to show us the way forward in love. Part of the beauty of baptism is that we promise in front of others to trust and be led by the power of God's love. The Holy Spirit at work in us and on us. And we don't have to have that all figured out in the moment that we're baptized. We don't have to have that all figured out in the moment that we come to take communion. We don't have to have that all figured out in the moment we walk through these doors and worship together. What we are invited to do is trust that when we open ourselves in baptism, when we open ourselves before the table, that when we open ourselves in worship, that God will meet us there and show us something beautiful and new. One of the things I didn't expect or didn't realize when I was baptized as I mentioned before, we didn't have a baptistry in the church in the Nazarene. So years later, years later, in reflecting on my baptism, it occurred to me, I have no idea what that church was that I was baptized in. Where was I? Was I baptized in a Lutheran church? Was I baptized in an Episcopal? Where was I baptized? So I called up my parents, and they're like, oh, you were baptized in a Christian church, Disciples of Christ. God. <laughs> Makes sense. Christian church disciples of Christ respecting and honoring other church traditions would make use of their space for another church to have a baptism. Makes sense. Would make sense that maybe God knew something I didn't. That there would be this beautiful point of connection and meaning to my baptism that I couldn't fully understand or really appreciate until much later when I found my home in the Christian church disciples of Christ as a college student. Baptism is beautiful because it offers us a gift of grace and mercy and love, the fullness of which we don't have to understand and we can embrace that we don't understand at all. But we promise to embrace it anyway. God's love precedes us and is the basis for baptism. God's love is revealed to us in the moment of baptism and God's love is what we learn to trust from baptism forward. And we see that played out in front of us in the story of Jesus' own baptism, where what he is baptized into is the mission of God's love to remake and transform the world, to free us from pretending that everything's okay, we're just starting over. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's fine, I just got some new resolutions and goals, everything's going to be great. Freeing us from pretending the past hasn't existed, to trusting that God's love can rework and remake and heal all that we bring with us and do something new with our past and with us. Baptism is a wonderful and beautiful gift practiced in many different ways across the life of the church. And perhaps this year, this day, 
It's something you might want to consider for yourself. It's something that perhaps this day you might say, I'd like to see what those waters of baptism might mean for me. Perhaps this day you might want to know what it's like to be a part of generations of believers who have stepped into the waters of baptism to trust not a magic transaction to take place, but a mysterious gift to be given, the fullness of which we can't, nor will we ever, fully understand. But thus is the grace of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.